0: TED Audio Collective. Hi, TED listeners. It's Dr. Shoshana. This is TED Health. Okay, I have to admit something. I'm a sugar addict. I know I'm a doctor and I should know better, but I'm just as susceptible to sugar temptation as anyone. Well, today we're going to hear about how sugar affects our brains and why it's so hard for all of us, myself included, to say no to sweets. Be sure to stick around after the talk for my conversation with biochemist and best-selling author, Jessie and We discuss how blood sugar affects our mood, our cravings, and even our skin. She'll share practical tips on how we can manage our blood sugar using two of the most trusted tools for maximizing our health and longevity, diet and exercise. This show is brought to you by Schwab. You're here because you like to keep a pulse on fitness trends. Well, now you can invest in what's trending in active lifestyle, healthy eating, wearable tech and more with Schwab Investing Themes. It's an easy way to invest in ideas that you believe in. Schwab's research process uncovers emerging trends. Then their technology curates relevant stocks into themes. Choose from over 40 themes. Buy all the stocks in a theme as is, or customized to better fit your investing goals, all in a few clicks. Schwab Investing Themes is not intended to be investment advice or a recommendation of any stock or investment strategy. Learn more at schwab.com thematic investing.
1: Hi, I'm Ben.
2: I suffer from a condition called writer's block. It strikes when I'm at work. That's why I choose Canva Magic Write. It works fast Picture warm, gooey cookies, crunchy candies, velvety cakes, waffle cones piled high with ice cream. Is your mouth watering? Are you craving dessert? Why? What happens in the brain that makes sugary foods so hard to resist? Sugar is a general term used to describe a class of molecules called carbohydrates, and it's found in a wide variety of food and drink. Just check the labels on sweet products you buy. Glucose, fructose, sucrose, maltose, lactose, dextrose, and starch are all forms of sugar. So are high-fructose corn syrup, fruit juice, raw sugar, and honey. And sugar isn't just in candies and desserts. It's also added to tomato sauce, yogurt, dried fruit, flavored waters, or granola bars. Since sugar is everywhere, it's important to understand how it affects the brain. What happens when sugar hits your tongue? And does eating a little bit of sugar make you crave more? You take a bite of cereal. The sugars it contains activate the sweet taste receptors, part of the taste buds on the tongue. These receptors send a signal up to the brain stem. And from there, it forks off into many areas of the forebrain, one of which is the cerebral cortex. From here, the signal activates the brain's reward system. This reward system is a series of electrical and chemical pathways across several different regions of the brain. It's a complicated network, but it helps answer a single subconscious question. Should I do that again? That warm, fuzzy feeling you get when you taste grandma's chocolate cake? That's your reward system saying, "Mmm, yes. And it's not just activated by food. Socializing, sexual behavior, and drugs are just a few examples of things and experiences that also activate the reward system. But overactivating this reward system kickstarts a series of unfortunate events loss of control, craving, and increased tolerance to sugar. Let's get back to our bite of cereal. It travels down into your stomach and eventually into your gut. And guess what? There are sugar receptors here too. They're not taste buds, but they do send signals telling your brain that you're full or that your body should produce more insulin to deal with the extra sugar you're eating. The major currency of our reward system is dopamine, an important chemical or neurotransmitter. There are many dopamine receptors in the forebrain, but they're not evenly distributed. Certain areas contain dense clusters of receptors, and these dopamine hotspots are a part of our reward system. Drugs like alcohol, nicotine, or heroin send dopamine into overdrive, leading some people to constantly seek that high, in other words, to be addicted. Sugar also causes dopamine to be released, though not as violently as drugs. And sugar is rare among dopamine-inducing foods. Broccoli, for example, has no effect, which probably explains why it's so hard to get kids to eat their veggies. Speaking of healthy foods, let's say you're hungry and decide to eat a balanced meal. You do, and dopamine levels spike in the reward system hotspots. But if you eat that same dish many days in a row, dopamine levels will spike less and less, eventually leveling out. That's because when it comes to food, the brain evolved to pay special attention to new or different tastes. Why? Two reasons. First, to detect food that's gone bad. And second, because the more variety we have in our diet, the more likely we are to get all the nutrients we need. To keep that variety up, we need to be able to recognize a new food, and more importantly, we need to want to keep eating new foods. And that's why the dopamine levels off when a food becomes boring. Now back to that meal. What happens if in place of the healthy, balanced dish, you eat sugar-rich food instead? If you rarely eat sugar, or don't eat much at a time, the effect is similar to that of the balanced meal. But if you eat too much, the dopamine response does not level out. In other words, eating lots of sugar will continue to feel rewarding. In this way, sugar behaves a little bit like a drug. It's one reason people seem to be hooked on sugary foods. So think back to all those different kinds of sugar. Each one is unique, but every time any sugar is consumed, it kickstarts a domino effect in the brain that sparks a rewarding feeling. Too much, too often, and things can go into overdrive. So, yes, overconsumption of sugar can have addictive effects on the brain, but a wedge of cake once in a while won't hurt you.
0: This show is brought to you by Schwab you're here because you like to keep a pulse on fitness trends well now you can invest in what's trending in active lifestyle healthy eating wearable tech and more with schwab investing themes it's an easy way to invest in ideas that you believe in schwab's research process uncovers emerging trends then their technology curates relevant stocks into themes choose from over 40 themes buy all the stocks in a theme as is or customize to better fit your investing goals all in a few clicks. Schwab Investing Themes is not intended to be investment advice or a recommendation of any stock or investment strategy. Learn more at schwab.com thematic investing.
1: Apple Card is the perfect cash back rewards credit card.
0: To go deeper on the topic of sugar, I'm glad to be joined today by Jesse Inchousby. She's a biochemist and the best selling author of Glucose Revolution. And she has one of the best science nerdy Instagram handles. She goes by Glucose Goddess. Hi, Jessie. Hi, Shoshana.
3: Thank you so much for having me. So, Jessie, how did you get interested in the world of metabolic health and blood glucose? So, the story starts when I was a teenager. I suffered from a lot of mental health issues after an accident during which I broke my back, unfortunately. And so, I launched on this quest to try to understand how to feel better, how to heal my body, and how to understand my body. So, I studied biochemistry in grad school. Then, I worked in the field of genetics in Silicon Valley for five years. And while I was there, I discovered the world of glucose or blood sugar. I then just dove headfirst into all of the science on glucose I could find. I discovered I wasn't alone. And I also discovered some pretty cool hacks to avoid these spikes without going on a diet or giving up any of the chocolate cake and pasta that I loved.
0: So tell us, why is paying attention to your
3: blood sugar important for lifelong health? Because essentially your glucose levels, your blood sugar levels, impact every single system in your body. So when you have glucose spikes every day, that is if your blood sugar levels are deregulated, you suffer in the short term from things like cravings, sleepiness, feeling hungry all the time, not having very steady energy. You might develop things like acne or fertility issues, And then long term, when your glucose levels are deregulated for decades, you then can develop conditions like type 2 diabetes, fatty liver disease, heart disease. And I discovered essentially that if your body is a plane and you're trying to keep this plane at steady cruising altitude, understanding glucose is like understanding the most important lever in the cockpit. And when we understand how to balance our glucose levels, a lot of things fall into place short term and long term.
0: So even if we don't have diabetes or other underlying health conditions,
3: do you think it's important to pay attention to blood sugar throughout your life? So I didn't used to think so. I thought that unless you had prediabetes or type one or type two diabetes, you didn't have to worry about your glucose levels at all. And this is actually something that the scientific and medical community had been thinking for decades. But recently, five years ago, we actually discovered through a really cool study done at Stanford that people without diabetes, so people who were metabolically healthy, still could experience these glucose spikes. And the study showed us that 80% of people actually experiences these glucose spikes. Jesse, what are the ways that we can influence our own blood glucose? The number one way that we can influence our blood glucose is by changing small things about how we eat. So I discovered some really simple hacks that tremendously changed my life and that have a huge impact on the size of your glucose spikes. So for example, my favorite one is eating our food in the right order. So you can eat the exact same meal as you did before, but it will have a completely different impact on your glucose levels, so on your short-term symptoms and long-term health. Another really easy thing you can do, I call it put clothing on your carbs. So carbs are starches and sugars, and these turn into glucose when we digest them. Clothing are protein, fat, and fiber. For example, pasta alone, that's a naked carb. Uh Uh-uh. If you're going to have pasta, throw in some spinach, throw in a few meatballs, throw in some cheese. If you're going to have a slice of chocolate cake, my favorite, maybe have some Greek yogurt with it or a handful of almonds. Always put clothing on your carbs. And this has a tremendous impact, for me at least, on the craving cycle. I'm able to enjoy the carbs because they're delicious and I'm obsessed with them without starting this roller coaster in my body, without starting a day of feeling tired, wanting more sugar, feeling super hungry all the time. I love these tips. So if you aren't able to monitor your blood sugar through a continuous
0: monitor or through another device, are there other things you can do to know what's happening
3: in your blood? Absolutely. So it comes down to sort of feeling how your body is doing. So the typical symptom that you're having a glucose spike is that you feel energized and then you feel a crash. So if 90 minutes to two hours after a meal, you feel really tired, like you could really just take a nap on your desk right now, or you feel super hungry, like, oh my God, is it time for the next meal yet? Or you have a craving for something sweet, like any cookie, any brownie, any sweet thing, any candy will do, those are telltale signs that your body has just experienced a glucose spike and a glucose crash. And so I encourage people to sort of track these things or get curious about them because your body is speaking to you all the time. And these symptoms are just your body telling you, hey, Shoshana, there are glucose spikes happening within. Like, try to flatten those glucose curves.
0: I feel like that's me every single afternoon. (laughs) (laughs) So, Jesse, I want to go back to long-term health. Can you talk a little bit more about why it's important, even if you're in your 20s or maybe 40s and well and healthy,
3: to be thinking about blood sugar throughout your life? I know sometimes it can be a little bit abstract to think about, oh, my food choices will help my long-term health. I don't really care about that. But actually think about the fact that not only will they help your long-term health, they will also help you feel amazing tomorrow when you wake up. How do we think about this when we're out and about in the world? So a really easy thing you can do is anytime you're going to go out for a meal, make sure that you order a starter that is made of vegetables. What I like to do, for example, is order like a side salad first before the meal, some sautéed spinach, some beans, order some edamame. You can even order a few olives. That'll already be helpful because the fiber will be there to protect your intestinal lining to avoid the glucose spike. There's always an option on the menu that is going to be a vegetable based. And then also try to eat your starches last during the meal. Other things you can do include switching from a sweet to a savory breakfast. So two breakfasts that contain the exact same number of calories. If one is sweet, it'll create a glucose spike, and if one is savory, it will not create a glucose spike. The meal that creates a glucose spike will make you hungrier faster, will accelerate cravings for the rest of the day, and your energy will be all over the place. So start your day with a savory breakfast for really stable blood sugar. Last one I will mention is whenever you're going to eat something sweet, if you really want that brownie, that cookie, try to have it one as dessert at the end of a meal instead of on an empty stomach or at breakfast or between meals. And then try to use your muscles for 10 minutes after each meal. This can be dancing in your living room to your favorite song, walking your dog, folding your laundry. Just use your muscles because as you do this, they will look at glucose for their energy. And so as a result, we'll reduce the glucose spike of the meal that you just had. I have to tell you, I am a sugar addict
0: and I have started trying to eat savory breakfasts and it really
3: works. It curbs my craving. So there's one data point right there cravings is such a cool topic because oftentimes, and I I used to be 100% a cravings monster, I would be craving all these sweet foods all the time and I would either try to suppress them or I would feel guilty about them and I would be like, oh, I don't have enough willpower. Why can't I resist that chocolate chip cookie? And now I realize that actually I was creating those cravings through the way I was eating because I was eating in a way that was creating this glucose roller coaster. And we know that when our glucose levels are low, which happens every time after a glucose spike the craving center in our brain activates and lights up and says jesse you gotta eat a cookie right now so if you're able to solve the underlying issue of the glucose roller coaster those cravings that used to control you actually dissipate and now when you want to eat something sweet like if i want to eat my favorite chocolate cake it's for pleasure i'm excited about it but i'm no longer controlled by the impulse it's a whole other world and it starts as you mentioned with a savory breakfast i love it Jesse, what's the one thing
0: that you wish more people knew about blood sugar?
3: Mm, That it really matters for everybody. Uh, And then second thing is that orange juice and fruit juice is not a health food. (laughs) What's so bad about fruit juice? People don't know a few things about fruit. So number one, the fruit that we find these days in our supermarket shelves are actually not natural. These fruit have been bred for millennia and millennia to be extra juicy, extra full of sugar, and to reduce their fiber content. If you look at an ancestral banana versus a banana today, they look completely different. The ancestral banana is tiny, full of seeds, quite tart actually. The new banana, the 21st century banana, is very large and very sweet and it's a bit more like dessert than it is like an original nature intended fruit. However, when it comes to fruit if you want to eat something sweet whole fruit are still the best option because they contain fiber and as i mentioned fiber is protective now the trouble starts when we remove that fiber when we remove the fiber we're concentrating the sugar from already highly sugar concentrated pieces of fruit and we're essentially just drinking pure glucose and fructose molecules we're drinking one big glucose spike and this has really bad effects on our short-term and long-term health so remember this Whole fruit is okay. As soon as you denature it, problems will pile up. Those are such great points. I have just learned
0: so much from you. So thank you. Thanks so much for listening today. This episode was produced by Transmitter Media and fact-checked by TED. And special thanks to Anna Phelan, Sammy Case, Grace Rubenstein, Maria Lagis, and Colin Helms. I'm Dr. Shoshana Ungerlider. Stay well, and I'll talk to you next week.
2: You're growing a business, and you can't afford to slow down. If anything, you could probably use a few more hours in the day. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack